Welcome Action Alerts Plus subscribers and AAP podcast listeners. Chris Versace here, and I'm so happy to be joined by, well, you've probably seen this guy. He's on CNBC, he's on Fox Business, and if you know who I'm talking about, it will come as no surprise that he is the man with the daily recipe that you need to check out. That is right, folks. One, Kenny Polcari from Case Capital Advisors. Kenny, thank you so much for joining me. Chris, it is always a pleasure, and I'm so excited. This is like my virtual experience with you. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Well, so what, what <laughs> folks may or may not know, Kenny, is while you and I haven't exactly um, worked together, we've we've uh, commiserated, yes. we've chatted, all of yes. these things about about personal stuff, the market, and everything in between. So That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm happy we're able to have a uh, formal conversation, as it were. So- right. To, to set the stage, Kenny, you know, we know you're at Case Capital, um, but tell the audience just a little more about your background real quickly so they, they understand what you bring to the table. Sure, of course. So uh, I spent, as you know, 40 years on the New York Stock Exchange as a member uh, and as an institutional broker representing the interests of hedge funds, mutual funds, pension plans, foundations, international, as well as domestic clients, uh, right at the point of sale, right? I, 1980 is when I started. I left in, at the beginning of 2019. It was a dramatic and exciting career path. You know, I was there during all the very key moments, right? The birth of the greatest bull market in 82, the crash of 87, the tech boom of the 90s, you know, uh, uh, the dot-com burst and bubble in 99, 2000, then turn of the century and Y2K and all the drama that that, you know, posed for the world as well as the financial markets, uh, as well as then getting involved with the institution to help it transform itself from, you know, human-based to, to what is today technology-based. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then, you know, through one of the events that changed the world was 9-11. And then what happened as a result of that event and how it so affected not only the industry, but the way the industry operates, um, uh, right up and through, you know, the, the market modernization, but then all the, the private markets becoming publicly traded companies, right, which was right. an exciting time. And then, through the, 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 you know, the, the great financial crisis of 2007, 8, 9, and 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, and now to, you know, there's ultimate recovery. In 2019, I left because at that point, I left the New York Stock Exchange because at that point it became, um, you know, it became much more difficult because the technology had so changed the business um, that, the little guy gets ultimately got squeezed out, right? And yeah, so I, I I remember I a friend of mine in from high school. His dad was on the floor. His name was um, Mr. Caldwell, and he was over at Yamaichi. And I was late, I was lucky enough to be on the floor back in the heyday when yeah, there were the zil, zil, zillions of people running around. Two dollar brokers on the floor, yellow phones on yellow phones yeah. on posts. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was lucky enough to eat upstairs in the, you know, the big luncheon lunch club. Yeah, the yes. luncheon club. Listen, there were at the height of the season, there were fifty five hundred people that worked on the floor of the exchange amongst that. At the time, there were five different trading rooms all connected. Right. But they were fifty five hundred. There were thirteen hundred sixty six brokers and then, you know, four thousand support people. So they were clerks. Right. They were specialist clerks. They were phone clerks. They were uh, New York Stock Exchange employees today. Just by contrast, so everyone understands, there's less than 100 people that now do what we used to do because it's all run yeah. by computers. Yeah. And, you know, the volumes that we're doing today, you know, are quadruple the volumes we were doing when the humans were there. So it's a change place in the New York Stock Exchange forever change institution. It's very much a 21st century uh, mm -hmm. exchange. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, 
you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's so much a part of my life. I spent 40 years there. Right. But you know, if I had my druthers, I'd go back to the way it was <laughs> I, with I, the I, running around. You know, I, I suspect that one of your compatriots who's part of the AAP team, one Sarge Guilfoyle might yes. say the same. Oh, he would absolutely say the same. Sarge <laughs> and I had lots of memories together. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we don't want to get lost in the sauce, so to speak, on that, Kenny. So nope. let's 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 talk about where you see us in the market today, because you know the last I don't know nine ten months S and P five hundred thirty eight hundred forty two hundred kind of trapped yep. for the most yep. part, and, and the market's had a lot thrown at it, right? Yep. Everything from and in, in no particular order, uh, the Russia Ukraine war, rising interest rates, supply chains, inflation, concern about the consumer. Yeah. Right, pricing action by companies, recession concerns. Oh, geez, all this. Right. Right. So, yep. So, so you know, putting your your history on, you know, what what do you make of where we are in terms of the market? Well, listen, I have to say, I am fairly impressed. I, although, you know, last year we saw the market get absolutely crushed when all that stuff started to happen. We saw the market reprice. We saw the angst in the market. We saw the market pull back, and certainly was a difficult year. This year, though, has turned completely around. We've seen all those names, technology specifically, that had gotten so beaten up last year um, is now the outperformer this year, right? And it, and it says something about its resilience. It says something about investor resilience. Um, and it says something about kind of where we are in terms of what, what investors and traders are, are thinking about the, the economy. Is it going to be as bad as maybe they think it is? Is it not? Is the Fed going to be able to manage a soft landing? I don't think they are. Um, I, but nor do I think it's going to be deep, you know, uh, hard, hard, hard. But I think it's just going to be long and stretched out, right? So I think it's going to be this long, difficult period versus, you know, a really deep V-shaped recession that's going to, that's going to come and go quickly. I think this one's going to drag. So when you say that, you know, uh, I, I was chatting with a company earlier today and they were saying, ah, you know, could see a recession in the second half of the year, maybe two quarters, narrow. So you're, you're, you're thinking it, it won't be pronounced, but it'll be dragged out more than two quarters, it sounds So, like. yeah, yeah. So I actually think we're in a rolling recession. I think it's already started. Yeah, well, while the while they haven't officially declared it, I think we've been in this rolling recession. Now, remember, in February of 2022, when um, when when the bond curve became inverted, even for those couple of days, remember right, right at the beginning it inverted and then it and then it and then mm -hmm. it traded back and it inverted. And those first couple of days, everyone in the news was, "Oh my God, the bond market, the bond yield." Uh, the bond market inverted. That means a recession is coming 12 to 16 months. Well, we've now been inverted for right. 16 months. And so if there, if that's historic, if history tells you that within 12 to 16 months, you went to a recession, we're there because 16 months is here, right? We are now into almost into June of 2023. So we're a good 16 months since February of 2022. Right, so, right. But but like this, you look at the flash PMI from the other day, right? So yeah. manufacturing continues to contract. We understand that, but the services side, it, holy cow. That's right. The services side, and, and what's important about that, and I point this out in my note, we are a 75% services economy. And right. so that's why that number is so significant. And the fact it actually went up yesterday. The number was yes. the, it was they were looking for a 53 one that came up 55 two, I believe, right? And so um it went up, and that 
concerns Jay Powell because he doesn't, listen, he doesn't want to necessarily crush the economy, but he wants to see that number come in. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's, and you know, it's, it's basically giving him the finger going, guess what? <laughs> you know, we're, we're just not going down. And so what concerns me is that the fed is going to continue to, you know, keep the pressure on. Um, and I, and I suspect that we are going to raise in June again and get us to a five and a quarter, five and a half terminal rate, which would be just even, if not kissing what the current CPI is, right? This, you, and then depending on which number you look at, mm -hmm, if you look mm -hmm, at the, the mm -hmm. top line CPI came in at 4.9, but X food and energy, it came in at 5.5. So, you know, yeah. we're right there if they yeah. raise one more time. Right. Um, and it, which, it, it's which been is in that range between right. January and that 5.5 five to 5.7. Five, but, and I agree, I, you know, I'm, I'm warming up to the notion that what you just said is likely to happen rate hike in June. And I say that because when I read that flash PMI report, yeah. it almost seems to suggest that what's unfolding now in the service economy is akin to what we saw this time last year in the manufacturing economy. And what I mean by that is demand is strong, bottlenecks are happening, more pricing pressure is likely to unfold. And I think more wage pressure is likely to fall. Look, yeah. the pilots union is holding a gun to the heads, right? To, 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 the, to the management. They want more pay. They want more money. And so um, when you go out and you look at, you, you know, you listen, you talk to restaurant owners and all that stuff. They can't hire people. No, probably because no. nobody wants to come and work, but partly because they think they deserve more money. And most likely they probably do. Hang on, hang on. I got takeout from an Indian restaurant not too far from me, and I commented, like, where, where's all the wait staff? Last time I was here, you had these people. And he said, right. I can't keep anybody. Right. They, get, they get an offer for a dollar more an hour. They're out they, the door. Right. It's unbelievable, right? And you realize, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me, I went two weeks ago, I just had a craving for a filet of fish and McDonald's fries. I just had a oh craving, my God. right? Really? I walked into McDonald's and I got the flavor fish and right now. I walked up to that machine. It's like an ATM machine where you order it yeah, yourself yeah. The and kiosk. then it gives you it gives you a number and then you go over to the counter and you pay for it, right? So I did that and I paid for it. I get I don't know, it was like $7.55, whatever the number was. I gave the kid a $10 bill. And he looked at me and he said, Do you care to leave a tip? And I thought I misunderstood <laughs> him, right? And I looked at him, I go, excuse me. He goes, Well, do you care to leave a tip? Now my change was like a dollar seventy-five, right? So I, I I looked at the kid when he said it. I said, "Keep it." But then I thought to myself, "McDonald's is now asking me for a tip." Right, right, yeah, it's, it's nuts, crazy, right? It is crazy. I I'm surprised two things: one that you didn't use the kiosk to pay, and two that you had cash. Because well, because the kiosk, the 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 card reader at the kiosk wasn't working, okay. so it said I had to go to the counter. So I don't really carry a lot of cash in my pocket anymore. I use my debit card for everything. Yeah, but yes, yeah. I happen to have a dollar bill in my pocket. I just said, all right, he has a ten. <laughs> because had I done it with the debit card, then he would never have been able to. Ask. I guess he could have asked me, but there wouldn't have been physical change, right? Right, right. All right, all right. So let's let's get back on topic here. So um, economy, we got you. We got your view on that. You said what you think the Fed is going to do. Um, yeah. But the big question, Kenny, that I think a lot of people are struggling with, and I, I think about this from time to time, that S&P level, 38 to 42, what do you think the catalyst is that allows us to break free to the upside? And, and here's the thing, on a sustained basis. Well, right, because here's what I do think. I think if those bozos in D.C. do come to a solution, and I think they will, 
I, it's just the drama. You're, you're, they want to drag it out. You're, you're obviously referring to the death ceiling there. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah. And I think they will. They love to drag it out to the 11th hour. And then and they yeah. suddenly come up with an agreement and pat themselves on the back and say, oh, look at how hard we worked for you. And yes, this is what we did. And both sides have to have a win because that's the problem. Both sides have to yeah. feel like yeah. they, they won, right? Um, but I think we could see a very swift relief rally, just swift, because they've created so much, you know, angst. Um, and then I think the market's going to once again start to focus on the fundamentals and on the Fed and then on the economy. And, on the, and then I think it comes back down. But what's going to get it to go up and through 4,200 and stay there is going to be the fact that Powell is able to navigate a soft landing. And if he can, then I think it'll, it'll give uh, fuel to the fire, right? And that'll cause stocks to then rally. But I don't think he can which is why I think it's going to come back down. I do don't think 3,800 is, uh, is, is enough support. I am not in the camp that Mikey Wilson or Morgan Stanley is calling for S&P 3,000, which is down 25% <laughs> from here. I'm not in that camp at all. You know, J.P. Morgan, I think, is at 3,600. I think 3,800 feels to me to be about right. Now, look, I guess I'm, I'm willing to say I could change that idea if suddenly we start to see see it come apart at the seams, right? Then you could say, okay, maybe maybe 3,800 doesn't hold. But I think I think there's been so much there's been so much uh, churning right in here that you know if it trades down to 3,800, the buyers, people that have been paying, you know, in the 4,100 range and the 4,000 range are going to be happy to buy stock at 3,800. Yeah, yeah. So you know, to me, I, I think what it kind of hinges on is what we think 2024 earnings are going to be, and I, I realize that's a little bit out there right now. Right. You know, the consensus numbers for this year, uh, I think FactSet has us right around 120, and I think it's a 10, 11% bump to 2024. Last I looked. 220, 220 they have, not 120. Two, oh, two, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. Misspoke. 120. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for catching that. Um, you know, but the when I looked at, you know, the past, when Fed funds rate was around like 5.1% or so, you know, the S&P 500 peaked out around 17 times. So, right. so, so if we use that as the basis, those earnings numbers are really the fulcrum we have to watch. That's right. That's right. Because right now, I think if you use those numbers, we're trading about 18 times. And so you can, you can argue that maybe we are a little bit elevated, right? So there should be room for the market to pull back if that's in fact the case. And I think that is going to be the case. Look, don't forget, Loretta Mester, Jimmy Bullard, even Neil Kashkari, all Fed uh, members, right, um, and all Fed voting members have even floated the idea of a terminal rate closer to six percent. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. If that happens, then I think you'll, that you know, then then that changes the tune again, right? I think six percent is probably a little bit high now. If inflation remains sticky and doesn't respond at all, then I could see us going to six percent. I could. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm betting that once they get it to five and a half and then they hold it there for a couple of months, that inflation will start to will start to retreat. And then I think they'll be OK. And that's why I that's why I'm kind of in that camp. But if not and they start to push, they start talking about a six percent terminal rate, then I think the market does come under more pressure. Well, I, I, th I think it accelerates the concern about, you know, a recession. Yes. Earn earnings get taken down. People, you know, capital projects get, you know, requestioned, spending slows, blah, 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 self-fulfilling right. prophecy. And we're in that recession. Right. Well, listen, and speaking of the capital thing, you know, this whole issue with Disney now the other day when they announced that they were pulling back on a project that they were going to build there, a lot of people right away wanted to point to the Disney DeSantis argument that's going on. I got to tell you. 
Disney's got a lot on their plate in terms of uh, declining revenues, declining, you know, challenges coming from everywhere else. I actually think some of that was the fact that Disney and Bob Iger are saying, okay, we need to rethink how we're spending our capital because mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. we get a recession, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a decline in, in, uh, in theme park attendance yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. So I think that Disney is the perfect kind of, uh, uh, the, the recent announcement is the perfect kind of company to say, look, we're much more concerned going forward. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a Florida DeSantis thing as much as I think them being a little bit more cautious about what the future holds for them. But that matches what we're seeing on the consumer, right? right. If, yep. if, if we if we peer into the retail sales report, we listen to Walmart, Target, yep. Foot Locker, and others, and and even some luxury good companies have gotten squashed in the last few days. LVMH carrying um, right. Hermes and the others, and I, I I think there's something different going on with those companies um, now. What um, are there any areas of the market, Kenny, that you like? Yeah, I got to tell you, I am. I am. Uh, well, uh, my portfolio is 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 weighted now much more defensive, right? So it's consumer staples, it's energy, it's financials, uh, and it's healthcare. But but I have to be honest. I have. I still own tech. I haven't gotten rid of any of my tech. It's just become underweighted because new money I'm putting into the more defensive side. But where I've started to really dip mm -hmm. my toe in the water is is like everybody else, much more on that cybersecurity and the AI part of the market. So I get that exposure with Microsoft. I get it with Apple. I get it also with C3.ai, which is a symbol AI, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, the cybersecurity mm -hmm. names I get with CrowdStrike. I get with Fortinet. And I get it with, you know, you can play it with the CIBR, which is the first trust ETF, right? That's And, and um, we just, just to be clear... Uh, in the AAP portfolio, we own Microsoft, we own Google, and we right. have that, and we have cyber as well. Right. I think those are I think those are great names, but but you know they're not overweight right now. The you know I was overweight tech mm -hmm. actually last year got crushed, um, and while I didn't sell any of it, I'm it's now underweighted in my portfolio just because I've been a little bit more defensive yet. I've participated nicely because I own enough of it, so it's it's carrying me right. So um, so, so I like let, those. I still like those sectors. Let, let, let me ask you this question because, you know, Doug Cass over at Real Money has been starting to talk about this uh, on the AAP monthly call. Helene Meisler and I chatted about this. Yep. You know, from time to time, this new, new thing in technology, you know, expectations get eh, a little bit ahead of themselves. Yep. Not, to, not saying that, you know, uh, there is a lot to come on this and disruption and all these other things, kind of like we saw with the Internet. You know, uh, but uh, do you get the sense that some of these AI, AI stocks, excuse me, might be a little out over their skis, as they say? Abs absolutely. But like you said, that's how it happens. The pendulum swings all the way to the left, all the way to the right. It usually goes too far and then right. it's going to come back to the center. So do I think we're ahead of ourselves? No doubt about it. But here's the problem. We're just in the infancy stages of it. People recognize that it's a huge addressable market, huge in the trillions. And so therefore... You know, everyone wants to at least establish a foothold, and the foothold yeah, yeah. then causes yeah. the overreaction. I think then, as people, you know, once you feel comfortable that you've got some exposure in there, you're not completely missing out. People become a little bit more sensitive to price, a little bit more sensitive to, okay, when am I going to buy it? I'm not going to chase it anymore. I want to wait for the pullback. Then I think you see it start to kind of, you know, readjust, right? But yes, do I think do I think it's ahead of itself? No doubt about it. So one of the poster childs for this is, of course, Nvidia. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, up 110% this year. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. So far this year. Right. And, and right. they report after the close and this conversation will be out uh, after the close as well. Do you yeah. think it's the litmus test for AI right now? What they say tonight? Uh, uh, you know, that's a very interesting question. I hadn't thought about it like that now until you just asked me. It, it could be, though, because NVIDIA is right up there at the very top when people talk about exposure to AI, right? Because I don't think there's a really pure, pure public, publicly traded no. play on AI. So you have to play it with NVIDIA or Microsoft or right, Apple, right? right? Uh, you get certainly exposure there, but you know, NVIDIA could be. Now, look, the thing is off a little bit today as I'm looking at it, but it's still up 108% for the year. But, you know, they could take today's uh, report, and I have no idea what it's going to be, but they could take today's report and still, even if it's a good report, you could see selling pressure in NVIDIA just because it's had this, it this had this incredible move up that people yeah. are just, they, you know, it's like, it's like buy the room and sell the news, right? Correct. Even if the news is good, you could see, you could see trader types saying, you know what, let me, let me just, let me just take some money off the table here because it, it has so outperformed. Yeah. I mean, from, from my fundamental perspective, you know, when you trace it back and you look at its end markets, you know, there's no way the stock should be up a hundred and, you know, 10%, right? It's all, it's all on AI. No question. Right. Right. And listen, and we saw that during the earnings season is that the number of times companies mentioned the word AI in their report dictated how far their, their stock went up that day. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. You know what I think is even crazier is that everybody's using AI and, and whenever they get a chance to say AI in <laughs> yeah, their well, company, it's nuts, right? I, I made this point last week that, you know, I, I can understand, you know, Google making announcements to say, sure. hey, guess what? We understand where Microsoft is. We're not left behind. We're still competitive. But when you hear Ford, McDonald's, CVS, and all these other companies talking about how, about AI in their business, yeah. it's, a, it's a little yeah. worrisome. Well, it's well, I'll tell you what's really worrisome. And I don't know if you've seen this ad on TV. There's a, there's a television commercial. It's a shampoo commercial. And the CEO gets on TV to say that because they use uh, uh, artificial intelligence in their formula, they're able to grow my hair back on my head. <laughs> really? Honestly, really? That's where you're going with this? And it's so funny because when you, he says it on TV, like, like we're brilliant. We're using AI to grow hair. I'm like, it this, makes no sense. But that's when you know it's kind of toppy, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's going back into the past. Correct. It's talking stocks with the cab driver in New York. It's talking stocks go. with the bagel person in New York. That's yeah, no, right. I get it. You I and I have it. been there. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. You yes. talk stocks with the guy who's got the coffee cot in the corner, too, right? <laughs> the guy from the guy from the Middle East in the coffee cot wants to talk stocks. That's a problem. That is a problem. Um, and you said you like banks, Kenny, financials, any particular I bank? Yeah, so the ones I like and the two I own uh, are J.P. Morgan and Bank America for the big money center banks, uh, and and during in the regional banks I like New York Community, I like Western Alliance uh, are two of the names that you know I started to look at when we hit that when we you know when we hit that pothole two months ago, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and I think that they you know a lot of them got dragged down and crushed just because they were in that sector. But um, I didn't see, like, New York Community Bank wasn't in the same space as Silicon Valley Bank yeah, or even First yeah. Republic. And neither was Western Alliance, right? So I thought to myself, okay, these are, these are getting dragged down for no real reason. And look, look what they've done. They've, all, they've both bounced back. Um, actually, most of them have bounced back. And then what's his name? Last week, the other guy, Burry from the Big Short, he came out making the announcement that he bought big positions in all these regionals because he thought exactly the same thing, that had gotten way overdone. 
And some of these names were getting unduly punished and there was opportunity there. I just like the fact that you reaffirmed my position in Bank of America for the portfolio. Thank you, Kenny. Oh, yeah. I, yeah <laughs> I bank, I've owned it for a while. I keep owning it. I reinvest my dividends. I don't sell it. I do the same with J.P. Morgan. Excellent. 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 What, uh, Kenny, what else are you watching in the markets these days? So, well, like everybody else right now, you mean just in general or stocks just specific general, or just in general? Just in general. Just so in just general. listen, what, what I'm watching like everybody else is the drama that's being created in the media because of, you know, they keep threatening this default. And here's the part that kills me about that is that honestly, they should know better. They The U.S. is not going to default. We're just not going to default. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yet every time you turn on, it's Janet Yellen, you know, raising the temper of the room. Oh, we're going to default on June 1st. We're not going to default on June 1st. We're just not. And so, uh, and so what, what, what I find by that, you know, as well as I do, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. sometimes in that chaos and all that noise, there is opportunity. So like the market's backing off, what's it down? What are we down? 200 points right now? We're down, uh, yeah, 200 points, 190 yeah. points. Uh, we were down, or we were down more. We were down close to 300 earlier, you know, when they came out and, and, and we're talking about the failed talks and Biden's not going to talk and Biden really didn't. You know, I think all that stuff is noise, but in that noise, creates opportunity. So you have to be sensitive enough and savvy enough to know where those opportunities are created. And look, I would go for the names that I own to see if some of them are being dislocated uh, because people are getting nervous and people want to raise money. And you and I both know if an asset manager has to raise quick money, he's going to raise it in Apple, Amazon, IBM, American Telephone, names that you can raise a lot of money in very quickly. American Telephone. I haven't heard it call that in I don't know how long. <laughs> Holy cow. Channeling your floor days. So I, I do agree with you, Kenny. I, I think it's going to be an 11th hour uh, deal. But as I've yeah. shared with, with uh, ActionAlerts Plus members, I am concerned, though, that we do get a deal, not the deal, just given the amount of time. Agreed. And my, my bigger concern is we go through this mess all over again, right at the height of the presidential election cycle. Agreed. And I think I, I think you're absolutely, I agree with you on that, right? And I don't think we're going to get, you know, I, I think we're going to get a deal. We're not going to get certainly the deal that the House wants. You're not going to get the deal that the Democrats want. And that's right. that's okay because in a democracy, you should compromise. But, Correct. you know, they're Correct. pushing it, pushing it, pushing it right to the end. And then, like they said, somebody asked Kevin McCarthy today, how much time are you going to give your members to read what the <laughs> deal is, you know, once it comes out? It'll be 400 pages. How many, how many, how much time are you going to give them to read it? It's 500 pages, whatever it is. He was going to give them 72 hours. How many do you think are really going to go through that and read the whole thing? I, I think what they're going to do is probably have their staff read different sections, right. summarize and, it, and here it is. Correct. But it, it, it's no different than when, um, oh, I'm blanking on this, I don't know why, when, um, Obama's health care reform right. went through, Nancy right? Nancy Pelosi said, yeah, it we have crazy. to pass it to know what's in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, that's ridiculous. crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But All so right. I think that, uh, but but I do think that once, because they've created so much anxiety about it, I think if they announce a deal, and specifically if they announce a deal before June 1st, I suspect they're going to announce it on May 31st at 11 o'clock, um, <laughs> at 11 o'clock p.m., yeah, yeah. Uh, then then we'll get that relief rally. Now, if it drags over June 1st, right, if they don't do it and they're still talking come June 1st, June 2nd, June 3rd, um, I think, you know, you're going to hear them uh, suddenly she's going to have found money to pay the bills, but we've only got 24 more hours. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, that, that's, we're, that's what that'll be. 
we're already seeing that, you know, June 1st move to early June, right? That's right. So er, that's what I said in my note yesterday. When she came out, suddenly she changed the terminology to early June. Okay, what does that mean now? June 1st, June 15th, June 10th. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know. She's, you know, I was talking with um, a friend of mine and, you know, just to, going through this. And he's like, she's the alarm bell. That's all right. she is. That's right. And I think they're paying her double time to be an even louder alarm bell. Great, great, great. Right, because right? she does it. She, she, every day she's out there, you know, warning, warning. Oh my God, we're gonna blow up. Oh my God, this isn't gonna work. Baloney. You know. Ah, uh, uh, Well, you know what? The nice thing is the market closes. The market opens tomorrow, Kenny. It's a new day. Yeah. What? Um. Before I let you go, and I appreciate you bringing up the debt ceiling, I, I have to know, Kenny, because I didn't see your note this morning. <laughs> What's the recipe of the day? <laughs> Well, today I gave you pan-roasted sea bass, but I got to tell you, yesterday in my note, I gave you a pasta dish because I made a point of telling you that the Italians, pasta in Italy has gone through the roof. It was, eight, it was up 18% uh, month yeah, over yeah, month. It's killing those Italians, right? But today I gave you a pan-roasted sea bass in a marsala wine with onions and mushrooms, and you make like a base, and then you sear the the uh, the sea bass, and you bait you put it in the oven on a high bake so that it cooks really quickly. And then you, you present it on the plate. You put down the mushrooms and the onions and the, and the little bit of the sauce and put the sea bass right on top and then sprinkle parsley over it to make it look pretty. So Kenny, I have to ask, and I, I've never asked you this and I'm a little <laughs> surprised uh, in your household, how much cooking do you actually do? I do a fair amount. I do a lot on the weekends. I cook and during the week, you know, I, I listen when my kids were little and I was working, you know, day in and day out, my wife did all the cooking and my wife's right. a great cook. But now that, you know, uh, it's me and my wife and we're hanging out and, you know, I cook a lot on the weekends because I like to cook. It's relaxing. To me, yeah, yeah. That's right. And 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 I, I now I don't have a job that where, you know, I'm a little bit more uh, uh, I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more freer now. Right. In terms mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. my my day and I can work from home. I can work in the office. So today I'm working from home. So I'm making a I'm making a pork loin tonight for dinner. I already started it. I'm going to dress it with uh, with a peach. Uh, with a peach sauce, which I have to make the peach sauce after. And after and when do you share this recipe with everybody? I share this recipe tomorrow if you want it. <laughs> it's relatively simple. It's just you know peach peach jam and honey and some brown sugar that you put on the stove and you and you soften it up and then you you, you I brown the pork loin really quickly and I put mm -hmm. it in the oven and then I pour the peach sauce over it and then cover it and then slice it and eat it. It's delicious. Um, it's, not, it's not difficult. Point point of contention. Are we browning in a cast iron pan, Kenny? We're browning in a cast iron, yeah, cast iron like uh, a frying pan. Excellent, yep. excellent, excellent. Yep, yep, All right, yep. hey, Kenny, for folks who want to follow you, who want to find out what to make for dinner one night next week, <laughs> what, uh, where, where can they find you? They can find me a couple of places. So you can get my Substack on my Substack where I post my blog and my recipe every day. So it's just kennypolkerry.substack.com, and you can sign up for it. It's a free. It's a free note, just goes out there. I then put it on my Twitter. So every day it's on my Twitter in both written form as well as a video form, because then I turn it into a video and post it on my YouTube channel as well. But you can find it on my Twitter, both in both written and video form. And you can find it on my Substack. And your Twitter is? At Kenny Polkari. Very simple. Just my name, at Kenny Polkari. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kenny. I, as uh, you know, I, uh, I always enjoy our conversations. We're going to have to do more of this because I, I like the way you think. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Chris, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure.